0: The day has arrived. We are Auckland's newest church, and I want to say the world's newest church right now until whatever church is starting later today, our time catches up with us. But for now, for the next three hours at least, Auckland's newest church. I'm very excited. Um, the world's newest church. And I want us to play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim that all day today um, because that's what we are, right? <laughs> um, Uh, We're going to play a little, uh, um, well, you know, you go get your eyes tested, right? And they put the lenses on you, and they say, now look at this picture. Which one looks better, A or B? A or B? One or two? One or two? And so I wanted us to do a little bit of that. I want us to consider a little bit uh, the difference between some of these uh, pictures that you see on the screen, right? So we know what that is, right? What is that? House of Cards, right? It's a house of cards. That's not the TV show, it's just, uh, although this next one probably was inspired by the TV show, okay, that, look at that, can you, like, that's amazing, Hey, eh? that's a work of art. I think that is supposed to be the Capitol building in, in Washington, maybe, um, which would be ironic, because it's, the House of Cards is about the, the Capitol building, the show, and uh, anyway, but you would, this is amazing, but you wouldn't want to live in this house, Right? You wouldn't want to live in a house that even if that was like full size, you wouldn't want to live in that house because we all know the story of the three little pigs, right? One little bit of wind and it's gone down. I mean, it's probably waterproof because it's covered in plastic and everything, but not very sturdy, right? The funny thing is this house is made of the same base material, right? Isn't it? Because paper is made out of wood. You just mulch down the wood and you... But this is it in its raw state, the same base material. I'd much rather live in this house... Or another house that's maybe in the city, made out of wood, um, than than the log cabin, than the the house of cards, right? And I'm sure you'd prefer this too, right? Now, what about uh, this house here? Would you like to live in that house? <laughs> Do you see where it used to be? There's the stairs on the on the left there, where which goes into the into the front door, but it's all kind of shifted off its, and you can see some of its foundations there um, next to the stairs. Well, what about this one? I thought this would be interesting to live in this house. Would you, would you trust that one in a, in a gentle breeze? <laughs> uh, I think that one is actually being, having its foundations fixed. So that's why it's like this. But in the intermediate state, I certainly wouldn't want to. And then I found this one here. And I was like, oh, no, that doesn't even look like those poles are going into the ground. It's just like someone just got some tree trunks and just shoved it up there. Would you you like anyone game to live in that house (laughs) on the hill? No. No, there's no no bracing at all. It looks like it's just just standing there on some stilts. Um, Or what about this one? This is an actual house um, in Sydney that's built into the rock. Right now, that's that's solid, right? You know, that's not going down, hey. Eh? And so, <laughs> so why am I showing you these different houses? Uh, I would like to live in. I mean, I'd like to stay in that house just for the experience of being inside the rock. But um, but I, um, why am I showing you these? Well, it's because. Um, this morning, we're building something new. We're laying a foundation. We're starting something. We're planting something. And so it's important. These things tell us, first of all, that the material that you use to build is important, right? Don't build a house out of cards or paper, you know, Um, and the foundations and the location is important, right? Don't build it with foundations that are trees and on the side of a hill, right? Don't do this, right? That's not going to last if there's a a breeze or a flood or a heavy rain, don't do that right It's uh, build it properly. so the material and the location and the foundation and we're, we're building this morning something. we're planting something, we're starting something and I want to emphasize the way that we build, the way that we start is important and so we're going to spend some time reflecting this morning on scripture and what it has to say about who we are. and I mean we have a, we you know our name, the name that we have is Keystone. And that logo, I don't know why, but it's stretched. Uh, That's not actually how it looks. But you guys know this, right? The architecture, the arch, the keystone is the most important stone. That's why it's called the keystone. And there are two reasons behind our name. You guys know this. The first is that Jesus is the center of who we are. He's the one that holds us all together. And that's an aspiration for us as well, to be a keystone in the community around us. We're going to look at each of these aspects in the next 20 minutes this morning. So, the first thing is Jesus as the center, right? And obviously, Scripture has a lot to say about this. But there's some wonderful passages, particularly in the book of Romans, where um, Paul, in Romans 4, Paul is talking about faith and how faith is the way to salvation and how uh, he uses the example of Abraham. He says, Abraham was justified or made righteous because of his faith, because he believed God. Then it talks about how he believed the promise of being the father of many nations, even though at that time uh, he was past the age of having children and his wife was past the age of having children. Um, and in the middle of doing this, he's talking, he, Paul tells us about God's character. And so in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, we get this beautiful verse that says, As it is written, I have made you. And I love that like God is telling this to Abraham before he has any physical children. He says, I have made you already right now the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he, that's Abraham, believed. And then he tells us who this God is, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now, I love that last sentence, the God who calls into existence the things that do not exist. The context here is the descendants of Abraham, right? He's Paul saying God calls into existence the descendants that at that point didn't exist and at that point looked like they couldn't exist because Sarah was barren and past the age of childbearing. And Paul says that actually all of us are the descendants of Abraham. In Galatians, he says we are the fruit of this promise. If we are in Christ, then we are descendants of Abraham. And so he makes the point of saying that God can call that those things into existence. God can bring things into being out of nothing. And Jesus brings into being his church out of nothing. Peter says that those who were once called not my people are now called my people. Right? That's who we are. The church is part of Jesus's calling us into existence. And so this morning, Jesus has called us as the Keystone Church into being. Yesterday, we didn't exist, right? Today, we do. We have been brought into existence out of nothing. And we want to acknowledge and celebrate the fact that God, Jesus is still going about his work 2,000 years later, almost 2,000 years later after his resurrection, that he is still calling into being things that did not exist before. And we want to celebrate that this morning. The second verse that I want to, us to meditate on is Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Right, So Jesus calls things into being is the first point. Then the second verse says, He, that is, hey Danny, how are you buddy? That's awesome. I love it. He's just showing off his sister. That's so good. He's very proud. Um, he, that's Jesus. So this is in the middle of a song in Colossians chapter 1. Paul is quoting uh, a song, and he's talking about Jesus here. He, that is, is before all things, and by him all things hold together. This means that our existence, not only as people, because that's part of it too, right? The fact that we exist as people, all of the creation, everything that we see around us is held together by Jesus the fact that if he stopped thinking about us that if he took his mind off us or if he just wanted to get rid of us it would be as easy as that for him right he holds us all together but he also holds together his people as the church we are held together by him so we exist because he has called us into being first of all out of nothing and then we continue to exist because he sustains us and we want to acknowledge that like like the arch right the keystone is there and it In adding the keystone in, you create the arch. It comes into being out of nothing. But also, that keystone sustains the arch as well. Without that keystone, there is nothing um, that exists. It doesn't exist. It stops to function as an arch. And so, for us, we want to make sure that Jesus is at the center of everything that we do. That's the important aspect of what we want to emphasize with that. The question that we ask is, are we doing this for Jesus? And this is a question for us to ask in our own personal lives as well. Is the, are the things that we are doing, are they about Jesus or are they for Jesus or are they grounded in Jesus? Is it about him or is it not? Because if it's not about him or for him or done out of love for him or in response to a command from him, if it's not founded and grounded and centered on Jesus, then what's the point of doing it? So we need to continue to put Jesus at the center because he sustains us in that. Okay, the next verse that I want us to consider is um, this verse, which we all know, right? Matthew 16, 18. I, this is just after Peter has said, you know, Jesus has said, who do you say that I am? And all the disciples kind of looking at each other like, mm-hmm. and Peter just says, you are the Christ, the son of God or the Messiah, the anointed one. And Jesus says, you know, that's Right? I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Right? This tells us a couple of things. Right. First, that Jesus builds his church. Right? Firstly, this church belongs to Jesus. Right? That's the thing that we have to remember first and foremost, right? that this is the church of Jesus. It's not the church of Jason. It's not the church of any of us. Okay, This is Jesus's church. Because it's easy to forget that. When you come and you take ownership and you get involved and you're doing the work of ministry and you're uh, involved in uh, reaching out and serving in the church, you say, this is my church. But you have to remember that it belongs to Jesus. It's his church. And the second thing is that he will build this church. He will build his church. He's the builder. He's the one who's called it into existence from nothing. He's the one who sustains it, and he's the one that will add to it. And this, this requires humility on our part as well, right? Because we can kind of go, well, I need to get out there, and I need to evangelize, and I need to save people. But the truth is we can't, right? We can't change people's hearts. We can't change their minds. We can't convince them. We can't make them believe in Jesus. We can't make them... You know, uh, come to Christ and repent and and follow Him. We can't do that. We have to recognize that those deep heart changes are something that He has to do. Now, God can use us to do that when we speak a word of truth or a word of encouragement or a word of correction to someone, or we just share the good news with them, or we just love them for no reason other than they are created in God's image. And God calls us to love them. Then. God can use that to change their hearts and to change their minds, but we can't do it ourselves. It's impossible for us to reach past and down into someone's heart, to the center of who they are, and to change them. Now the, the thing is, if we're faithful, we can see Christ work through us. And the first church in the book of Acts was so good at this. And so this is the next verse that I want us to consider. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number who were being saved. Okay. The people in the first church, they loved God and they loved others, and the Lord added to their number. So they focused on the two most important things, loving God and loving others. And they loved each other so well, right? We're going to look at the second kind of retelling of this in Acts 4 in a minute, where it talks about how they loved each other so well that there wasn't a needy person among them. So the people loved each other. They, um, their lives together was a witness to the world around them, the way that they cared for one another, the way that they looked after one another. They lived differently to the people around them. They didn't live in exactly the same way. They stood out, they cared, and they reached out. But there was that little caveat at the end, the last sentence, right? Every day, the Lord added to their number, right? It wasn't Peter, the apostle. It wasn't James, the apostle. It wasn't John, who were going out and doing these wonderful miracles and preaching the gospel. And, and it wasn't Stephen, you know, the martyr. Or it wasn't uh, uh, Paul, Barnabas or Saul or any of these people who were deacons in the church and serving in the church. It wasn't any of those people. It was the Lord who added to their number. They kept their focus on Him. They kept their, their actions in line with what He would called them to do. They pressed in more and more. And the more that they got to know Jesus. And the more they listened to the apostles' teaching, the more they fellowshiped, the more they were encouraged to reach out to the people around them. And because of that, they saw people being saved, God saving people. And that's what we want to see. We need to pattern ourselves after them. So what does that mean, the church as keystone? What does that mean? Because I'm not advocating that we live a first century life here in the 21st century, right? Because everyone often says, oh, we need to get back to doing things the way they did in Acts. And so you sell all your property and you give the money to the church and you, you know, just let it happen like that. But I'm not advocating that particular lifestyle at all. Okay, I want us to look at a couple of summarizing passages. So we've read part of one already, and we're going to read the second one here. So Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, right? Real quick summary, and then kind of what that means. Now, all the believers held together, were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. So that's the first one in Acts chapter 2. And that summarizes life after the first 3,000 converts were baptized on the day of Pentecost. Then we have Acts chapter 4, which also summarizes the life of the early or the first church. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Now that's a pretty intense claim right to think about that 3 at least 3000 but since the day of pentecost a few days has passed and people are being saved every day so over 3000 people are of one heart and mind, right they are all together there united uh, around jesus and you think about the diversity of the city of Jerusalem, with people coming from all over the empire, Jews coming from all over the empire, and goldfarers to come into the, the city of Jerusalem for the festivals that were there, and all of these people, doesn't matter where they came from, were all united, a one heart and mind around Jesus. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common, With great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, bought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. And so when we look at this, and as I said, I don't want to... um, don't want to draw out that we need to live in the way of the first century, but I want to kind of draw out a couple of principles here. And I have to say that the ministry of the church was twofold in this, okay? And they're both uh, alluded to in the verses that we have just read. The first one was that they looked after each other. Now, this is important, right? Because often we can think about, oh, we just need to reach out all the time. We just need to look out And we just need to, you know, bring people in. But we also need to look after each other. We need to create a community of care where people are not in need all the time, right? Where we can equip and empower and love one another and serve one another in such a way that just the community itself, the way of life itself is a witness to the people around us, that we have that uh, great grace, on each one of us that the uh the acts of the apostles talks about that we have that idea of um, looking out for each other and the second thing they did was they reached out and they included others right so this is a both and right you can't just be focused just on looking after each other okay but you also can't just be focused on just going out And reaching other people you need somewhere to bring them back to and so it's a both and it's a creating of a community of love and care and compassion where people know each other really know each other and they know when people are going through tough times and they support each other and that therefore there is not a needy person amongst them but then it's going out and sharing that with other people and saying look this is what the kingdom of god looks like and this is what this uh, group of people were doing in the first church. They were showing, they were kind of living in an alternative society, if you will. They, there was the society of Jerusalem and the Roman Empire and all of that, but they were living in a different way in the midst of that, almost in an opposite way. And that's why they were so attractive, because in that day, people didn't care about the poor people. People didn't care about orphans. People didn't care about widows. But the church did, and the church sacrificially gave of themselves to care for those people. They didn't just go, oh, we'll give you whatever's left over. But they said, I'll take all that I have and give it so that you can not be in need. I mean, you, you guys probably know the stories of like how unwanted babies in the Roman Empire were just kind of chucked out on the trash heap to die. They were, it's called exposure. They were just exposed, left to die. And um, they actually created a law in the Roman Empire to stop Christians from going and rescuing those babies. They made it illegal after a while for people to rescue babies that had been exposed because all the Christians were going and rescuing these babies. They were like, well, we don't want them to do that because we didn't want those babies. So we're going to make it illegal for them to do that. So that, I mean, that's the kind of impact that this community of people had, that they were loving and caring and kind of embracing these unwanted people so much that eventually the law had to change to try and stop them from doing it. Now, of course, that didn't stop them from doing it, but it's just an, uh, an indication of how much impact they made. So they reached out, they went, and they you know, met people where their needs were at, and then they brought them back into the community. So they didn't just go and rescue the babies and just say, right, you're, you're safe now, okay, off you go, back to Back to your mother or your father, they said, no, you are now part of our community. You are one of our children, and we will look after you. And so that's what it means for us to exist as a uh, a keystone in this community. I think those are the two things that we do. We create a community where people are known, loved, cared for, and served, and then we take that community out to the people around us just as the first church did, and we witness to them through our words, of course, preach the gospel all the time, but also through our actions, through our love and our genuine care for each other and for them. And so that's what it means for us to be Keystone Church. And I want us to respond in a minute. We've got a few things that we can respond, and I'll explain those. But first, I want to pray and uh, just pray for us and pray for um, this next season in the life of Keystone Church. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the God who calls things into being that do not exist. Thank you that you've called this group of people into being as Keystone Church. And Lord, we want to say at the outset that you are the center of all that we do. Lord, we want to pursue you. We want to pursue... Uh, your grace, your love for us. We want to pursue your plan for us. And so, Lord, help us all to press into you and to know you and to uh, know you more and to hear from you clearly. Lord, help us to be continually reminded that you are the one who holds us and sustains us, that you are the one who uh, is the great shepherd of this church and that we are all under you and that this is your church and that you will build it. That we get to participate, but you are the one who who brings the health and the growth of any body of believers. And so we ask that you would do that in this place. We ask that you would help us to create a community of love and care for one another and then have the courage to go and share that with the people around us. Lord, we pray that we would be your witnesses in this place. Lord, may we reach out with your love and your care. In Jesus' name, amen.